Welcome to Back to the Back Cave, revisiting the animated series. As always, I'm your host, Adam, and with me is my co-host, Josh. Josh, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, Adam. Awesome. It's good to, it's good to be back discussing and revisiting, as the title aptly suggests, uh, Batman the Animated Series. But before that, there's a couple of news bits that we need to uh, discuss. Um, so, since we last recorded, which was slightly over a month ago, there has been an announcement of a new uh, animated series featuring Batman, uh, titled Batman the Cape's Crusader, um, and it's got one hell of a exciting creative team, Josh. It's got J.J. Um, uh, Abrams, uh, Bruce Tim, and... Matt Reeves, all producing. Um, it says it's going to explore the um, psychology of the character and the characters and the world of Gotham City. Uh, that was, you know, one of the, the splashy taglines that was thrown about. Um, so, first of all, before we d- discuss the, the animated teaser image, what do you think of that creative team coming together for a Batman animated series? You know, I think last time we talked, Adam, um, we had discussed, I don't know if it was on air or off air, the potential of a continuation of Batman the Animated Series and how cool that would be. I think that this is even cooler because, um, and one of the things that I know that we're going to be, this ties into what we're going to be talking about after this, but, uh, you know, Batman um, the Animated Series was heavily influenced by Batman 1989, which had come out three years before the premiere of Batman the Animated Series. And so the fact that, you know, with Matt Reeves launching this new uh, cinematic iteration of Batman and being directly involved in the formation of the series tells me that, you know, they're going to do something very similar here. They're going to uh, create an animated series that very much um, is, you know, inspired by partially uh, the Batman, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, um, even though I would say the Batman, you know, I'm 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 very excited about the Batman. I love all cinematic forms of the Batman. Sure. Um, to me, right now, it feels like the Batman is a bit, it's been done. Um, you know, uh, I feel like Matt Reeves is doing something very similar to what Christopher Nolan did sure. uh, uh, almost two decades ago now. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's I, I'm excited nonetheless, and I'm really interested to see what they come up with and how his film influences this animated series. Um, uh, there's a lot of people online who are, incorrectly i think unless i'm i've missed something saying that it's the series is tied to the films but i i don't think that's the case oh oh, no no i haven't heard anything of that nature uh i mean certainly the way they're talking about getting into the psychology of the character i mean there's a similarity there but like you said more inspired by uh you know spiritually connected if you will uh more so than directly a prequel or or a sequel, or what have you, to the movie. Um, which is how I view ba- uh, Batman the Animated Series and Batman 89. It's a spiritual, you know, uh, continuation, if you will, 
uh, more than a direct uh, kind of thing. <coughs> um, but just, I mean, the sheer uh, talent with those three creatives, uh, you know, Bruce Tim stepping back into the Batman animated world, and then, you know, two really good friends in Matt Reeves and, and, and J.J. Abrams uh, sort of collaborating is very interesting. I, I kind of get excited because J.J. Abrams is also sort of the keeper of the new iteration of Superman on film. That they kind of, I'm like, wait, wait, what's going on? I mean, if they can team up on a Batman show, is there some way that Matt Reeves Batman and J.J. Abrams produced Superman could somehow eventually, you know, intermingle and team up? They, you know, that just got my mind, unrelated, but kind of like, it has my, my head kind of spinning in that direction. But, I mean, with that, with that talent involved, I don't think they can produce anything that at the very least is good. Um, you, you know, I can't see a flop on our hands with that, those three involved. And more to the point, <coughs> the little animated tease that we got, um, which is an image of Batman and the city behind them, is very interesting because it's essentially the 1939 iteration of Batman. I mean, he's got the curved ears. Um, it's very noir-looking. Uh, and we haven't really gotten that iteration of Batman in animation all that much. And I think it's fascinating. Um, just how... Er my, my only question is how early on in Batman's career will this show take place? And the other question I want to get your thoughts on is, will this show allow Matt Reeves to go a little bit more comic booky, if you will, than he is, or seemingly is, with the film? Yeah, I think that uh, the cool thing about Matt Reeves being involved with the show. So first of all, um, I agree with you, and I totally agree that it's intriguing that he has the 1939 ears. Um, actually, one of my thoughts when the whole thing about the lack of clarity about whether or not Ben Affleck was going to return, and um, when rumors were coming out about what Matt Reeves was doing and what he wanted to do, how he wanted it to be a younger Batman, and all of that sort of thing. And it wasn't clear that Ben Affleck was done. One of the solutions that I had thought of was, you know, Matt Reeves could set his Batman movies in, 19, in 1939. Like actually oh, okay. yeah. do, and they could call the movies Batman 1939 because that's never been done before. Right, right. And it would be really interesting to see uh, Batman so, in the era that he was created in. A full-on um, period piece, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, do a full-on period piece and then do a, do have Ben Affleck's Batman movies be sort of the modern sure. day Batman set in the DCU or whatever. Um, but, uh, alas, that's not what's happening. Um, Matt Reeves, or Ben Affleck is moving on, and Matt Reeves is, is doing something new and different, and it is on an Earth 2, quote-unquote. Right. Um, so that's uh, that's very interesting. I do think that um, being able to tell stories that are a bit more maybe fantastical than 
Um, then Matt Reeves uh, is maybe planning on telling in his films might give him some confidence to do that in film. Uh, yeah. Might give him a little bit more confidence to sure. um, show, um, you know, um, a, a little bit more um, fantastical things. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, like I said, we're assuming based on, you know, imagery and a 25 percent uh you know uh shot a trailer you know a uh, footage um that it's going to be grounded and realistic i mean the sequels could take a different shape we just don't know yet josh you still there yes yeah uh, you, you, lo you lost video there <laughs> oh, we go you're back i'm here you're back yeah uh, i'm putting on earphones okay all right cool <laughs> Uh, no, so yeah, I mean, we don't know how grounded or fantastical, you know, Reeves' first film is or how subsequent films might get, but this may be, you know, like a, I don't want to say a testing ground, but, but it could be kind of that sort of thing with the animated uh, adaptation series. And, uh, but again, the, the artwork, the other, the other question I want to bring your way, if you look at the lettering of the Cape Crusader, you know, the title of the, the animated series. It's very, very similar to Batman, the animated series. And I don't think this is it because I think they would have announced this if it was. But could this be some sort of prequel to Batman, the animated series, given the lettering? Absolutely. And it could fit within that whole, um, that whole period. Yeah. Um, because there's an entire period of time before Batman the Animated Series. He's yeah. in college, so he's over 18. Um, and so, you know, there's an entire period of time before Batman the Animated Series that this show could take place in. Yeah. And it would be really interesting to sort of maybe explore the origins of some of these villains because again, we're seeing, you know, as we've been talking about uh, in the show, we're seeing a fully formed Batman. Right. We're seeing a fully formed, all the fully formed rogues gallery. Yeah. So there is some territory there to explore. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, all of that being said, I think that this is probably something new and different. Yes. Yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. And of course, as am I, I can't wait. Like when I heard like, this was a beautiful piece of news because it was also in tandem with, and we're getting a Superman animated series. And I'm like, oh, it's Christmas in you know June. Great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, and and but, I will note a kid-focused Superman series, yeah. which a lot of people were turning their nose up at. But let me tell you something. Adam, you and I became fans of this stuff when we were kids. Yeah, it's really it's it's really important that yeah. um, there's stuff made for kids. And let me tell you, if they think that that new Batman animated series isn't going to be watchable by kids, I mean, maybe it isn't. But we'll. But I I seriously I think it'll the the similarity it will have with Batman the animated series is it will tell mature stories that appeal to adults. But it'll, it's also something kids will be able to watch. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And mm -hmm. you need to appeal to all ranges because, especially kids, though, because, you know, we're getting older. Um, and, you know, unless they 
develop a magic elixir that's going to make us live forever. <laughs> uh, you know, eventually, you know, the, the brands are going to, the, the characters are going to need new fans. Mm -hmm. Only way to build that and sustain that is getting newer, newer, younger audiences exposed to them. So, if you're scoffing your nose at, as a, at a younger set series, I think it's foolish. Uh, by the same token, you know, am I going to still watch the? Slightly more kid-focused Superman series. Damn right, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, so there, there it is. Um, but, but yeah, <coughs> so excited about this. I can't wait to see or hear more details. Find out who's gonna voice Batman. I highly doubt it's gonna be Robert Pattinson, even though I've heard that, uh, you know, being bandied about, you know, amongst fans. I don't think that's gonna be the case. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it'd be Conroy unless it's a prequel to. Batman animated series, so eagerly anticipate who it's going to be. Let me. Do you mind if I just uh, bring up an, an an analogy here, really quick? Sure. When you're casting for an animated series, voice work is very different than uh, live action work. Yes. And um, you know, we've seen this happen before with different animated projects over the years, like actors coming on board. Uh, people with voice acting experience always do better than people without it. So, um, you know, in the new Batman The Long Halloween, which I thought was excellent, um, uh, but okay. Naya, it's very evident that <laughs> Naya Rivera is is a live action actress. Yeah. Um, whereas Jensen Ankles and some of the other, other actors in the film have more experience doing animated stuff. Yeah. And, and you can tell. And it's sort of like in La La Land. Um, I like that movie a lot, but where it falls apart for me are when um, uh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are kind of doing the the musical numbers are heavily dependent on their singing and dancing. Sure, they're, they're not singers and dancers, right. so <laughs> so it's uh, those scenes suffer as a result. And so you know, bringing Robert Pattinson on to voice Batman might seem like a good idea. But uh, the series will be better if they cast someone with uh, a lot of animation experience. I, I agree. I, I, I would certainly uh, agree with that, um, that perspective. So uh, I'm on board. But either way, <clears throat> we will, of course, as we're going through this uh, rewatch and as we hear more, um, we will uh, provide um, more details for you as we hear them and give our takes on, on, on those kind of uh, that kind of information when uh, when it's available, but uh, as we continue, we should we definitely have to mention <coughs> that today marks the thirty second anniversary of the release of uh, the nineteen eighty nine Batman movie, which starred uh, Michael Keaton as Batman, Bruce Wayne, Jack Nicholson. As the Joker, uh, aka Jack Napier, in this iteration, we have uh, Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale. Uh, is it uh, Robert Wall as Alexander Knox? Mm -hmm. uh, Billy D. Williams as um, Harvey Dent, and, and so many others. You know, Pat Hengel as Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Michael Goh as Alfred. Alfred. Yeah, you know, a whole host of others. It had a great score by Danny Elfman. Mm -hmm. It had uh, a soundtrack by Prince. 
Which is great, by the way. Oh, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, it's the first movie that I remember sitting down in a theater watching. Um, It is, by and large, the reason my fandom is what it is today. It's the reason why I'm doing any sort of podcasting. Without that show, uh, or that movie, excuse me, uh, my Batman fandom wouldn't be at the levels it is. Now, that's not to discredit Batman the Animated Series. I remember, you know, you know, coming home from kindergarten and what, you know, and, and the earlier grades, and watching that, you know, when I got home from school, got me into the character for sure, and I and I loved it. Um, and you know, if you ask me, you know, there are two, there there are several actors that have played Batman in live action over the years. There are two for me that <clears throat> define, you know, that are synonymous with Batman. It's Michael Keaton and Adam West. When you say those two names, I don't think of, you know, Multiplicity, Jack Frost, or, you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, I think of, if you say Michael Keaton, I think of Batman. If you say Adam West, I think Batman. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Everybody else is an actor that played Batman, well, or to varying degrees, but they're actors that played Batman. Those two, for me, are Batman, and that's just the way it is. So, uh, but, but, you know, once I saw that movie, it was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm like, it's, I'm full-blown Batman, a Batman fan now. And so, I can't underscore how important that movie is to me. Um, and so, what are your general thoughts on the on the anniversary? Of the yeah, well, you know, in in the years since, there have been better films than Batman '89. Sure, but I think that Batman '89 is my favorite. Batman. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um. It is. It is both. You, like, oh, people have to put themselves in where uh, this film was in 1989. There had there was no dark version of Batman before yeah. this in yeah. popular media. Uh, there were some like cartoons that did episodes that were a little bit more. Who then they were written by Alan Burnett, sure. who was very involved later in Batman the Animated Series. Um, but there wasn't really, you know, the Dark Knight detective uh, in film form. Uh, people associated Batman with being silly, like Adam West, mm. um, and quote-unquote silly. It's brilliant now. Uh, <laughs> but, of course, oh, yeah, of course. But, but at the time, <laughs> yeah, but at the time, you know, that, that was sort of the, you know, and through the 90s and, and early aughts, as we were awaiting Batman Begins, um, that was sort of the thought, is that uh, the 66 series was silly. So, um, yeah, so Batman 89 was it, it was a revelation in that sense because it sort of brought the Denny O'Neill um, and Frank Miller sort of uh, aspect of, the, of Batman into the mainstream. And... We are all the more better for it. Um, there is no uh, Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy without Batman 89. Um, because Batman 89, up until Batman Begins, was the only proof positive that Dark Batman worked um, up until that time. Yeah. Um, there, There is no Ben Affleck interpretation of Batman without Batman 89. It, yeah. it literally has paved the way. And Michael Keaton... Uh, overcomes a lot to turn in what I think is thus far the best 
on-screen interpretation of Batman Bruce Wayne uh, ever. Um, he is, uh, I mean, think about it. He's not the, he's doesn't have the right classic quote looks, uh, but somehow he manages to nail the role of Batman Bruce Wayne uh, and give the character a level of pathos and um, intrigue that I think was even innovative uh, across all mediums at that time. I, I think it is, you know what I think works for in, in Keaton's favor to a large degree is that his Batman is very direct. Um, there's not very large, you know, long monologues. Mm-hmm. Uh, speeches, things of that. Nature. I mean, you, we, we've heard, we've heard Christian Bale's Batman, you know, go on a whole, you know, spiel about the, the trigger and this and that. And, you know, his speech with the with the Joker in the Dark Knight is, as he's hanging there is great, but hearing that whole, you know, citizens of Gotham just proved this and this and the other in that gravelly, you know, voice, it's like, all right, now you're like you're taking me out. Whereas Keaton is like. I'm here. I kicked your ass. Tell the other criminals about me. That's it. Like, there's very minimal talking. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like the look he gives. And yes, he's not built like Ben Affleck was, but the suit and his mannerisms, his very stoic mannerisms, the fact that he couldn't turn his head, he had to <coughs> turn his whole body. I think actually benefited the the, the, the portrayal at, at that time. Mm-hmm. There was an ominousness about like this. Look, when this guy moves, it's a friggin', you know, it's a whole thing where it's like everything is, you know. So it, it just, I think it's that. I think the look of the suit again. There's so many things, and then the way he plays Bruce Wayne, he's very reclusive, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time. When he's out in public, there's that doesn't reveal things if you ask him if he's Bruce Wayne unless you know unless you're having a, a business meeting a la Max Shrek in 92 he's not necessarily going to tell you who he is and then you know at a party it's like oh yeah by the way I'm Bruce Wayne you know so it had that kind of aloof kind of not to the degree you know Affleck or Bale but it was a different kind of thing and, and I think it worked um, mm-hmm. so I agree with you that in my opinion he was the uh, he's the best portrayal to date it may not be the most look, comic looking accurate to date, but mm. it's my favorite. And all that to say, not only are we glad that the film has its anniversary today, but we've known that Michael Keaton is coming back. And we now have photographic evidence <laughs> on multiple fronts. Yes. You know, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, director Andy Muschietti took to Instagram and posted the chess piece from the costume that Michael Keaton will wear in the Flash movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, a couple interesting things that I want to get your thoughts on regarding the chess piece are clearly it's the same emblem from Superman, um, Superman Returns. Batman Returns. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not the same emblem from Superman Returns because that would be weird. Um, they need to make a wonder. They need to make a Wonder Woman returns now because then they'll they they then all the, the Carter. <laughs> yeah, all the all the trilogies will with all the Trinity will have a returns movie. Or if you really want to get crazy, uh, re- uh, bring back Adriana Palicki, who's in the 
Yeah. Who was supposed to star in the NBC series? Yeah. It didn't get off the ground. <laughs> but anyway, so it's clearly the Batman Returns, you know, chess piece. But it has a little bit more of an armored look. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and there's also a bit of blood spl- uh, splatter on, on, the th- on, on the symbol. Now, so a couple things I want to address and then get your thoughts on. Just by looking at the minimum, the very minimal we can see here, it seems like we're getting a, 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 a melding or a best of both worlds of Batman Returns meets Kingdom Come. Would you agree with that assessment? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's, uh, when, uh, Bill Ramey from Batman on Film tweeted a photo of the Kingdom Come Batman, and I kind of freaked out a little bit, and I was like, I hope they're not ditching the yellow oval, but of course they wouldn't ditch the yellow oval. That would be the stupidest it's, thing you could ever do. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm very glad to see that they're, gonna, they're doing armored Batman, um, but it's going to have the yellow oval on it. I'm very right. pleased to hear that. Right, so we here on this podcast are, and vidcast are definitely... Uh, hashtag Team Yellow Oval for sure. Yes. Uh, shout out, shout out to Pete who runs that account. Yeah, it's a great account. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so there's that. In terms of the blood splatter, I've seen so much online about oh look look it looks like Watchmen. Oh, it's going to be an adaptation of uh, the Button or who uh, or Doomsday Clock, and it's like no. Just because there's blood splatter and it reminds you of Watchmen, Doomsday Clock, and the button, it doesn't mean we're going to see all of a sudden, you know, uh, Dr. Manhattan, you know, fudging with time and and this, that, and the other. Uh, If they take anything from the button, it would be Batman and the Flash, you know, deciphering or, or uncovering a case or solving a case together. Yeah. <clears throat> Much like they did in, in that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just like when we see Flashpoint, you know, people say, well, the Flash, it's Flashpoint. Well, no, it's not. It's taking elements from Flashpoint, but it's mm-hmm. not going to be a, a direct, you know, uh, page for, you know, from, from page to screen adaptation of, of Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't read too much into the blood splatter, somehow signifying, you know, we're going to get the button or this and that and the other. I think Andy Muschietti is aware. I think it's a nice nod. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I don't know that, you know, you could read anything more into that. I I agree with you, Adam. I don't think that it has anything to do with uh, with the button. Um, I think that it's a nice, or excuse me, I think that with Watchmen, um, I think you're right. I think if anything, it, it'll be, uh, Ben Affleck's Batman and, uh, and the Flash starting the film going, yeah. solving a mystery together. And then, uh, it morphing somehow into Ben, uh, Michael, Michael Keaton's Batman, who will be Batman much of the film, much like. Uh, Thomas Wayne is the Batman yeah. through most of the button. Um, yeah. And uh, Barry's got to figure out why. So um, it could take inspiration from that. My feeling is it's going to be wholly original. And yeah. I was really excited about um, 
Flashpoint is obviously a huge inspiration. Sure. But really, this is this is this story could only be told on film. Um, yes. They couldn't really tell the story anywhere else. They're taking advantage of the previous iterations of of Batman and Bruce Wayne in a very smart way that I think is going to engage a lot of fans. So I'm really excited for it. Right. And not only did we get the uh, the chess piece costume image, we have via via on on set, you know photography from from onlookers we have our first look at michael keaton in you know bruce wayne costume yeah with with a wig on with, with a wig on or a hair and, piece of some kind yeah, a hair piece let's call it <laughs> which i knew obviously yeah i've seen pictures of what michael keaton looks like you know in regular michael keaton mode so I know that that's a hairpiece. But man, it looks like his hair from friggin' 1992. Just all white. Yeah. And I'm like, it looks great. It like, I was, just, I was just staring at it, and I'm like, like, I knew he was coming back. I knew it was confirmed. And seeing the, the chess piece was great. But literally seeing him in an image as Bruce Wayne with that hairstyle, I'm like, I can't believe it's freaking happening. Like, that was the moment where it's like, holy shit, this is real. Yeah. All this talking, and it's, it's now real. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't be happier. Um, and again, for those who aren't paying attention, uh, I, I, I don't think this is a hello and goodbye uh, from, from Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne Batman. Because the Hollywood Reporter, during the negotiations, said that if they made a deal, that Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne would stick around as a Nick Fury mentor type to younger heroes. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, there is, there's been an announcement that Batgirl now has directors mm-hmm. and was written by Christina Hodgson, who wrote this Flash movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Michael Keaton appears in the Batgirl movie. Absolutely, 100%. And he hasn't, you know, come out and confirmed it, but Bill Ramey from Batman on Film a while ago released uh, pictures from, I'm, I want to say it's Dark Knight 3, with you know, the older Batman Bruce Wayne standing mm-hmm. next to a younger Batgirl. Now, this Batgirl in that story, I think, is Car- uh, Carrie Kelly because of the nature of the story. This Batgirl that we get in this film will undoubtedly be Barbara Gordon. Yep. And I think that he's... Uh... I think that Ben, not only do I think that uh, Michael Keaton is going to stick around in the DCEU, um, I think he's going to be a, a refugee from another universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to inherit the Ben Affleck supporting cast, which will be very exciting. So I, I would not be in, in the least shocked if J.K. Simmons isn't in uh, Batgirl. And uh, 
I would love to see Jeremy Irons in in Can, can you imagine as well as a Bruce Wayne and an Alfred that are close in age? How yes. the relationship would go? I think it's very funny, and I, would, I think yeah. it would be hilarious if they initially didn't like each other that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, where, where Bruce is trying to be the authoritative one, but Alfred's used to telling him, like, you know, should you be doing that? Or is this the right way to... And there's, yeah. like, a little bit of a clash. And even Gordon with this Batman would be very interesting. I think uh, it would be I think it would be fun for Alfred to say something that Michael goes Alfred would say that's very recognizable. Yeah. And from and for Michael Keaton to go, hmm, you are a lot. You definitely are Alfred. Or, or something you could like give that. him the cold, you know, bring him the cold soup. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you're onto something there. I, I, I would tend to agree with you. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm excited. I say the more Keaton I can get, the better. Um, you know, I, I'll, if he does a trilogy of films that involves the Flash, Batgirl, and then you know ends it off with a Batman Beyond. Um, yeah, I'll be I happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And imagine, just a, you know, before we segue, imagine Michael Keaton ends up with the most live action appearances. On film, of that, any of the Batman actors, that just feels right. That right. feels right. Yeah. Um, so, I um, can't wait. What what a time it is uh, to be a fan. Oh, Adam, I know that we've got to get to the meat to to what yeah. we're actually supposed to do the show for. But I just want to say one more thing. There's been a lot of complaining about Michael Keaton being on like the posters at at Warner Brothers. Yeah. At the oh. Warner Brothers lot and all that oh. sort of thing. And in that hallway, they have, like, Michael Keaton and Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman. I just want to say, that looks right to me for some weird reason. It just... It, it fits, yeah. It fits. It works. So... And, uh, look, even if there was hypothetically, let's just play hypothetical for a sec. Mm -hmm. If there is sort of, like, this, you know, this multiversal, you know coming together of a of another Justice League. If Batman ends up being the man in the chair, the strategist, and Batgirl is his representative in the field, and, you know, he's in he's interacting with Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and Jason Momoa's Aquaman, that just adds so much more, like, gravitas to the role. Mm -hmm. Because, realistically, Jason Momoa and Ben Affleck are the same age. Who the hell is... You know, Jason Momoa taking orders from Ben Affleck, you know, from, you know, basically the king of Atlantis taking orders from a human being of his own age is like, really? Right? Yeah. Him taking orders from a Batman who's seen God knows how much crap over 30 years mm -hmm. adds a little bit more weight to it. I, yeah. I, I think it's a fun dynamic. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and really, yeah. well, how much, like, when you look at Batman's role in either of the Justice League movies, versions of the movie, it's more of a strategist anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he fought a couple of parademons. Mm -hmm. But once, once he got to Steppenwolf, if he wasn't in the Flying Fox, he was kind of, I don't want to say useless, but in the field, it's like if Superman's here, or Aquaman yeah. and Wonder Woman's here, what, what what are you doing in the field? Like who who are you fighting in this scenario? 
You know, so yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it'll work if, if that's the avenue they, they, they take. Do I think fans should be getting upset over a billboard? No, I mean, it's yeah, they're highlighting the, 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 the most popular live action versions of these characters. Of course, yeah. they're going to use Michael Keaton and Christopher Reeve. Yeah, it's not a slight yeah. Snyder. It's not trying mm-hmm. to erase Ben Affleck or or, or, or Henry Cavill. It's mm-hmm. just capitalizing on the, the popularity of those two portrayals. That's all. It's marketing. Yeah, let's let's be it. let's be stoked that Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa and Margot Robbie are on there. I mean, that's. Yeah. That that just shows how much of an impact that Zack Snyder had on on the. And think about it. Ezra Miller wasn't there. I mean, um, yeah. What are we supposed to make of that? Yeah, yeah. And I will say this, Adam. I think you know. I think Affleck's done. But Uh, uh, also, but but I but I will say, uh, it's always wise to say never say never. Of course. You know, so you never know what you never know what could happen. Uh, down the line, and um, uh, I would be perfectly stoked if Ben Affleck returned in a Justice League movie and sure. Michael Keaton was in it as the man in the chair. I sure. think that would be really sure. I, I, I'm not a poet, like just because I'm getting Michael Keaton back and it looks it seems like he's gonna stay on, that doesn't mean okay, well, I'll see you later, Affleck. You know, nice knowing you. Yeah, um, I'm a Batman fan, so you want to give me another version of Batman? That I can watch. <laughs> uh, what, what 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 forums do I sign? Yeah, you, you know. Yeah, just like with Superman, you yeah. want to give me Henry Cavill back? Great. You want to give me Calvin Ellis, Val Zod, whatever? Great. You want to bring give me Brandon Ralph? Fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you want to give me a CGI sequel to 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 that continues the Christopher Reeve version with, with animation? Sure, great. Give it to me all. Like I'm not gonna. Well, it's only this version now, and that's it. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't prescribe to that. The more, the merrier. But if this is Affleck's goodbye, we have to be able to allow him. If he wants to be done, let him be done. If that's what he wants, then so be it. If he wants to return. I'll welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. But exciting times. It is. And we it's... will. Uh, we're, we're here for all of it. And while we wait for all of that, we've got the animated series we watch happening. So let's dive in. <laughs> so what episodes are we dealing with today, Josh? Let's start us off with the first one. Yeah, so we are, um, we are, uh, oh gosh, what is it called? Um, I watched it. Um, it is, sorry, I'm not being very professional here right now. Um, uh, yeah, I should have had that up too. <laughs> one of us, it's all the excitement over Keaton that really just threw us off. It, it's the cult one. That's the one that we're, yeah. that we're focusing on. I could make a comment, but I don't want to start any fights. So yeah. I'm um yes uh, god help us all um (laughs) gosh what is it called um hang on let me see if i can if i can whoever gets it quicker let's uh how about that the prophecy of doom there we go yeah 
Yeah. So give us a bit of background on this, Josh. Sure. So the Prophecy of Doom uh, features a um, basically Bruce Wayne chatting with a friend and her and her dad. And the dad ends up being involved in this cult. And he invites Bruce to come along to a meeting. And Bruce suspects that this uh, cult leader is a huckster. And this cult leader prophesies the death of Bruce Wayne. And um, basically, uh, an attempt is made on Bruce Wayne's life. And Bruce uh, does whatever he can. Uh, obviously suspects it's this cult leader and goes out to prove it. So right. uh, that is the general synopsis of the episode. It's... it's... I, I wouldn't say it's one of the, you know, it's like top tier Batman the Animated Series. I think it's solid. Um, I like the aspect of, you know, first of all, the idea that it's it's a cult, it's a cult that is geared towards basically scamming rich people out of their money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's interesting for me is is really um, this scenario of Bruce going undercover mm-hmm. as one in membership <clears throat> to discover, okay, is this guy, in fact, hustling people? Is How does he know the things that he knows? Turns out he's the culprit. Like, he's orchestrating these events. But for any time Bruce Wayne has to go undercover, I think it's great because it highlights his detective aspect mm-hmm. and the way mm-hmm. he puts on the role of you know you know you know uh, brainwash you know or accepting of the cult mm-hmm. i.e a brainwashed aloof billionaire it's it's furthering his ability to put on the personas that he needs to which will help him dissuade anybody thinking this guy's bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i think it works on several levels mm-hmm. and one of the funniest things for me was Alfred's reaction when Bruce tells Alfred that he gave money, he put money into this collective. <laughs> and Alfred's like, you gave him how much? You know, and he's like kind of upset. Mm-hmm. And Bruce explains, well, I had to, you know, keep up appearances. I had to make it seem real. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I, I like that aspect of it. What, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, um, this is another episode when I was watching. I, I was struck by two things. I'm a huge fan of cult documentaries. Um, I thought you were going to say I'm a huge fan of cults. Oh, no, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of cult cult documentaries. Yeah. I loved I loved Going Clear on HBO. Um, yeah. I loved the Leah Remini series about Scientology. Sure, I thought sure. that was very interesting. Um, I, I loved Wild Wild Country. Um, I don't know if you've seen that show. I haven't but, seen that one, no. Oh, it's it's on Netflix. It's very, very good. But um, a lot of these cults gained a lot of prominence in the 1970s and the 1980s. Yeah. Um, I forget that the, the, there was also the cult, the literal Kool-Aid drinkers, um, the, the people who uh, drank the Kool-Aid and, and, and committed mass suicide. Yeah. So all of this stuff was happening in the 1970s and 1980s. Um, and so it's very interesting to me that this show being produced in the early 1990s 
um, that, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a topic of, of conversation of cults back then. So, so on, a, on a historical sort of level, that's interesting to me. Um, this, this show, I, I don't know if I've already said this, but this episode kind of falls into the category of a episode that I probably enjoy more now than I would have as a kid. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Even though I don't think it's the strongest uh, episode, um, I think that I still appreciate it more as an adult. Um, the problem is, is that the 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 plot is so adult and complex that uh, it's really hard, I think, to make it accessible for kids. And sure. so there's no mystery in this episode. There's we know that from the start that this cult leader is a fraud. Uh, you know, yeah. we they they make it very clear from the beginning um, that he's he's a fraud, and um, so you know there there's a lot of uh, and that makes it less scary for kids. It makes it less complicated. Um, but I really think if they ever did a live action Batman Batman series, uh, it would be really interesting to revisit this concept and have a full hour to tell the story. Cool. And uh, and uh, tell it in a more adult way. Um, but yes, yeah. could you use to that point if you did it in something in live action where mm -hmm. this was a plot point? Could you use a villain in the Batman Rogues Gallery that's more known to pull that off? The only villain that I could think of that would really uh, like fall into this kind of category would be Ra's al Ghul or Rage al Ghul. Same thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of a different kind of a leader, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think, but I, I think that the, the, uh, the here's a bit, I would probably bring him down to earth a little bit more, you sure. know, and all that sort of thing, make it more, this isn't, this is, this is a character that I think you can make more grounded and yeah. him being more grounded makes him scarier, sure. um, because of his ability to manipulate and, and so on. Sure. Um, but yeah, I uh, really, it, I, I, I thought that this was an okay episode, not going to be ranked amongst my tops. Um, a lot of the, you know, it's got the humor, it's got um, heroics, it's got uh, a lot of uh, action. So um, yeah, I think I've, you know, uh, are we going to do the ratings now, or are we going to do both at the end? No, we can do it now, and then move on to the next thing. The interesting part was in the, in the final fight, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the daughter of Bruce Wayne's, you know, friend. Mm -hmm. or, or, or the, the yeah, the, I, I guess that's how you refer, refer to it, uh, is it, sort of like uh, tied up to these, to these, you know, props, like the different planets, the celestial things. And I'm like, okay, so again, we're getting a, a nod to somebody being tied to a giant prop. Like it yeah. just, it screamed 66. And I, we talked about it last episode, just the balance yeah. of how this show kind of toggles between being in the vein of the 89 Batman and also being, you know, yes. the 60s. It just. Absolutely, 100%. Mm -hmm. it, it, I liked it with it. And not once did I feel, oh, that's out of place. You know, I just, you just roll with it. You're like, all right, yeah, she's tied to friggin' Pluto, for lack of a better word, whatever the, 
the moon or whatever the hell it was. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it just it's amazing how that works. And she was almost cut in half by Saturn. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. It's it's a it's a lesson in uh, the, uh, the 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 geography of our solar system at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So what what do you think, Adam? What would your uh, rating out of five stars, right? Is what we're five, doing. Yeah, out of five. Out of five. I'd probably give it a three. I I agree. I I would also give it a three. You know, entertaining, but nothing groundbreaking. Yeah. Yep, same. Doesn't really move the overall narrative forward much. Yeah, I think it's an interesting sort of glimpse into a case that Batman might deal with, but it it's uh, you know it's not it's not the strongest episode. Sure. Um, yes. For sure. I think uh, it, I, I think it is interesting, and as we segue into the next episode. Um, unless you have anything else no, to say. No, go ahead and continue on. Yeah, no. um, I think it is interesting that in the viewing order that we're viewing this in, uh, only two of the six episodes that we've talked about have traditional rogues gallery villains in them so yeah. far. And obviously that's going to change as we move through the series. But I, yeah. I think that's a very interesting note. Oh, I think it works well. You're building up. Like, so far, they've two have been sprinkled in. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like the way they've structured this rewatch, this order of, of watching, that we are experiencing Batman's early days with these kind of episodes, mm -hmm. where the villains are more grounded, per se. Mm -hmm. Like, even the Penguin is more grounded than the Joker. Mm -hmm. like the Joker is using, you know, um, you know, the, the dead fish, the gas, the... the the garbage, you know, so there's always the guy, there's always that cocktail, you know, the, the Smilex kind of co cocktail kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is a little more fantastic, a little more out there. Mm -hmm. But even to the degree of the penguin, it's really still down to earth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I like that there's a progression building more fantastical as we go along. And maybe that's what Bam Reeves' Batman will do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very much. So, yeah. So, so you're a three as well, then? Yes. Okay, so next up? Uh, next up is the Underdwellers. So um, for this episode, uh, Batman, uh, there's a crime wave going on in Gotham City, uh, being perpetrated by children, uh, mostly. And Batman encounters a young kid who gives him some insight into some more nefarious activity going on below the surface. Um, so this one, uh, was not the strongest episode, uh, today, uh, is, uh, for me, not the, um, uh, strongest day. Uh, it's not a bad episode. Um, I think what was striking to me about this episode is how much it shows that Batman cares in that sense. It was a cool moment for his character because it sort of showed how much he cares about kids and how Batman has a, a particular anger towards people who mistreat children because right. he was mistreated as a child. And so that, that was a really interesting aspect to me. It was also interesting to see Bruce and Batman take in an orphan. Obviously, this is something that this 
Batman and Bruce Wayne have has done before, uh, with Dick Grayson being older. Um, obviously, he at one point brought Dick Grayson in under his care. Um, but uh, that whole dynamic was really interesting. We got to see um, a kid um, uh, who was mute through most of the episode um, interact with Alfred and get into some high, funny hijinks. Um, so that was funny. Um, the villain, um, I don't recall his name. <laughs> but the, the Rat King, was it the Rat King, I think? Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, I was That's thinking maybe the villain's the Underdweller. Like that, that might be his that name. That could be his name too. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, just uh, there, you can't get a more a villain you hate more than a villain who mistreats kids, kidnaps and, and tortures. Yeah. And kidnaps, them. enslaves, and tortures children. Yeah, so yeah. it's definitely uh, de- definitely ticks all the villain boxes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, again, uh, I think. Notable aspects of this otherwise forgettable episode uh, are the uh, way that it shows that Batman really cares about kids. And this is a sort of, you know, in screenwriting, we have what we call our um, save the cat moments. Um, it prevents us from thinking somebody is is uh, a total uh, bad person. And so obviously this version of Batman is not as, quote, you know, um, deep in psychosis as other versions of Batman are. Sure. But really, this is a moment where we see Batman is a really good person. He cares about these children. He wants to ensure their safety. Right. And that's admirable. So, what I sort of took are similar things to you in that this really, you know, Batman taking an interest in this case and being so, you know, affected by it really speaks to the whole reason why he became Batman. Mm-hmm. To prevent, you know, other children having to face the horror, loneliness and sadness that he faced when his parents got shot in the alley. So I think him taking on this case makes a whole bunch of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that him taking in the kid um, is also very important because remember, I think as of this watch through, we've only seen Robin once. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, I think it was strategically placed where it was because there's like a training, a couple of training sequences with, with Bruce and Dick. And so I think the reason why I was put there was to give the impression that Robin is still in his early days in training. Mm-hmm. So to have Bruce bring a child in, and sure, Alfred is taking care of him, but Bruce, you know, has a hand in it as well. You know, Bruce has to lay down the law, so to speak, at one point with the kid when he's getting mm-hmm. in a hand. And I think having him do those things sort of allows. Batman, in the order that we're watching this, to gain more experience dealing with younger, you know, youth, and sort of how to manage and foster them, and then he can apply that experience to Dick, even though the situation's a little different. <clears throat> so I, I thought the inclusion of this episode here also makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the humor is also with Alfred trying to get this kid to like do simple things like eat and take a bath and things of that nature. Um, mm-hmm. And I liked the moment. The, the humor came from when Bruce um, is in the cave watching and, and seeing Alfred struggle to get a handle on the kid. And he, and he starts laughing. And he's like, I wonder if, that, if I was with as much of a handful back in the day. Speaking of that, by the way, did you notice that Alfred uh, kept the kid in his old clothes after he had taken a bath? I didn't notice that, but now that you mentioned it, that's a little bit... I'm funny. like, Alfred, get this kid a fresh pair of clothes. You're telling me that there's not a, uh, some old clothes that Bruce yeah. wore laying around in that giant mansion? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or you can't bring, order some clothes in for the kid? So... That that was uh, yeah, that it's, was a it's, thought. It's a little it's a little weird. I, I would agree that I mean, what what kind of uh, uh, butlering school did you fail? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, what what class did you fail in butlering school, uh, where that wasn't uh, you know uh, topic uh, topic one on the list? Uh, and I'm assuming that if Dick Grayson is somewhere around in the manor, I'm not sure where he would be at this point. Yeah, that there yeah. are some old clothes. You know, old in the sense that leftovers <clears throat> of Dick's clothes that mm-hmm. could have been borrowed by the kid. So yeah, I mm-hmm. agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in that sense, you know, there are things that make sense, and, and you further the narrative for when Robin becomes a more permanent fixture mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I think are worth value. Uh, the villain is somebody that you can hate. It just wasn't the most. you know, riveting. Yeah. Of the well, I think that it's appropriate, you know, this episode obviously is going to be very short on our actual reviews for the episodes yeah. and very long on, on some of the news, but I think that it couldn't have come at a more opportune week, all this news, because, <laughs> because the, the two episodes that we have this week aren't the strongest. Right. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Um, and, uh, but again, the amount of Batman animated series episodes that are incredibly strong uh, dwarfs the amount of episodes like this that are. So all in all, you're going to get these crop up like you would in any show. And, uh, you know, you just got to try and find the, 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 the strong moments in the weaker episodes. And there are some in both cases. Yes, so, absolutely. With that being said, what would you rate this episode? I would rate this episode a two and a half. Yeah, I'm going to be in full agreement with you. Mm-hmm. It is probably, I'll be honest, my least favorite episode of the entire series. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, I agree. I think that it's, again, I think that this was the case of the Fox executives going, you've got to have kids in the show. Yeah. You've got to figure out a way to work some kids in the show. And, uh, you know, but it, it turns out some, some, uh, weak, some, some weak moments. So, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a proposal for you for next time. What is it? Uh, what if we did both cat and the claws? Cause there's part one and part two. 
and, and the Joker's favor. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, because then that puts us, for the rest of this season, it, it'll keep us even until we get to Mask of the Phantasm, which is uh, which is the movie they encourage watching. Which is essentially the, the, the bridge between season one and two of our rewatch, right? Yeah, yes. Which is going to be fun, yeah. So we've got some, just by the titles and my, and my brief memory, you know, my waning memory of, these, of, of those episodes, we've got three good ones. Mm-hmm. Next, next episode, so it'll make up for the lackluster, uh, you know, entries that we had this week. But there was some cool moves to discuss this week, so I think it balances out evenly. It worked out for us, right? So, with that being said, that brings this episode to a close. Uh, we're still loving going through the series uh, with you, and we're going to keep going. And so we hope you're following along. You you know which episodes we're doing, so you can keep track with us on this on this unique um, order that we're going through. But in the meantime, if you want to talk Batman the Animated Series with us, you want to gush it with excitement about uh, Michael Keaton coming back, or you want to post theories about what uh, the Cape Crusader animated series will entail, you can do that with either of us on social media. So Josh, where do they get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me at Josh Loves This. Uh, at Josh Loves This is the name of my show, which has been on a uh, unexpected hiatus. Uh, I've had a lot of stuff coming up at work, um, but uh, I've got that podcast as well uh, that I'm looking to get restarted, rebooted here. Um, I've got an episode where I'm going to discuss um, the Marvel shows. Sure. So um, thus far, so I think that uh, that'll be my next episode after Loki is finished. Cool, cool, awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to track me down, you can on Twitter at Adam underscore Leafs fan. But we also have the at MMNPDC uh, Twitter handle, which is exclusively for it's exclusively where I post the podcast. I mean, if you ask me something on that. On that handle, I'll answer um, just the same. So either one you want to follow, uh, go for it. And we have the uh, Facebook page, which is linked uh, in the show notes below. Click that, ask for permission to join, and I will add you there as well. And we can keep the conversation going. And that will uh, will do it for this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you will be back next time. And we want you to remember in between episodes that Batman, the animated series, is forever from a strong episode to a subpar episode. So long, everybody. Bye.